With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Think you like football? Bill Belichick doesn't just like football. He loves football. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Treadwell, um, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph. The backs, quarterback, um, they could pick. They're all good. Football! Football! Yeah! 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 Gotta eat! Tread, tread, tread. Treadwell. <laughs> Treadwell was, Treadwell was Treadwell. the first, first guy. That, Rudolph. Treadwell. Who are the backs? The back was Dalvin Cook? He disrespected. He, he mentions Laquan Treadwell, but not Dalvin Cook. Oh, I think they were asking about the receiving game, no? He said the backs too at the end. He just named. Well, I think the backs. he meant as far as could catch, because I think I mean, they asked him about I, Cook and catch I better than No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying. I think Billy. I, I don't think Billy's being disrespectful. <laughs> Far know. be it from Bill to be disrespectful when he's complimenting Laquan Treadwell. He should just instead of saying names, he should just list the uniform numbers. Oh, they're all. 12, he would if he 19, could. He would uh, if he could. Uh, wide receiver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, boys, we're going to get into later in the show the new era of Vikings football and what we're most excited for and some who gets it, who doesn't. But I think we should, I don't know if this is, if it's like breaking news. It's more just like developing news here. We're going to lead the show with. All right. The Vikings as of last night slash this morning have now been linked via reports to four defensive coordinator candidates. Now I believe I believe they've interviewed, officially interviewed. I think Anthony Weaver, the Ravens defensive line coach, has officially interviewed. The others are sort of, they've either had conversations or feelers. And then there's the question of they can't officially announce the Kevin O'Connell hire, and he's also preparing for a Super Bowl. So is he taking time out of his preparation against the Bengals to be on these calls? Is it is it Quasi that's doing these calls? We don't know a lot of details, but here are the four defensive coordinator candidates. And we can we can kind of dive into some of these. Mike Patton, who uh, spent last season as a defensive assistant, a senior defensive assistant with the Chicago Bears. He's been a defensive coordinator in Green Bay, Buffalo, the Jets head coach in Cleveland for a couple of years. You got uh, Anthony Weaver, who is the Ravens defensive line coach. He was also the Houston Texans defensive coordinator in 2020, just kind of a disaster. But he was also J.J. Watt's defensive line coach for five years before that. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Pleasant. 
who spent some time with the Rams defense as a cornerbacks coach. I'm assuming that's how him and uh, Kevin O'Connell know each other the closest. And uh, most recently he was, or still is, I guess, the Lions defensive backs coach. And then Don Wink Martindale recently dismissed from Baltimore, 58-year-old grizzled defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Uh, He has had a conversation with the Vikings. And what do all four of these guys have in common despite their different ages and backgrounds? They all have been very much immersed in their careers in three, four defenses. Football. I'll, I'll hit you with that football, one here. Three, football, four. Football. Defense. Three, four. Now, we, uh, in, our, in our discussion with resident Mackie and Judd historian Patrick Royce, and then you actually wound up doing the Google search work on this. But I apparently it's been work. 40, almost 40 years, 1985? Yep. Since the Vikings ran a three, four back. defense. First year back after Steckel. Yep. And it looks so, like it was a short-lived experiment. And then they just and then they brought Jerry Burns in as the head coach, right? So what do you make of this? If the Vikings decide, I mean, and based on these interviews, I'm you know, I'm sure and by the way, it's you don't run three four the whole game. A lot of base defenses are only run like thirty percent of the snaps because then you're in nickel dime, you know, different uh just different multiple fronts, as they say. But if they switch to a three four base defense what do you guys make of that? Well, I call it a look, first of all, like a three-four look. That's what football. I like to call it. When I'm breaking down the film, when I'm talking football, when I am when I am just pounding surly beers and talking defense, I say three-four look. See, I call it a three-four front myself. Well, and you know what? You're right too. And sometimes, sometimes I like to say, "But what if you uh, put uh, two guys up front?" So it, it's a it's a two man look up front, or perhaps. Wow. One I, man. I, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I I'll, I'll say this uh, as I said it to Royce. So Mike Pettin, who his his first like rise to fame was as Rex Ryan's defensive coordinator in New York with the Jets when the Jets were actually an awesome football team for a few years and the best defense in the NFL. So Rex and Mike Pettin were running the Jets defense and uh, it was a three four base. But in 2012, which was Mike Pettin's last year as Jets. Defensive core. I think it was. I think then he went to Buffalo, maybe with Rex Ryan the next year. But the Jets ran a one-three-seven defense on one-fifth of the defensive snaps that year. Football. Mercy, which is one down lineman, three usually linebackers, I would presume, and then seven defensive backs or safety linebacker hybrids of some kind. You don't know where anyone's going. <laughs> you amazing. don't know what they're coming or going. <laughs> Um, I want to see someone run the zero eleven defense. Just no down linemen, all defensive backs. Just just hybrid circling. defenses, <laughs> different looks, permeations. I mean, just keep it coming. So here's my thought, though, because I sort of like this. Um, I like it because of, of this. Again, it adds to what is going to be months of intrigue going into training camp, right? Like, how are things going to shake out? What's the roster going to look like? Certainly, if you go to a 3-4 base look, you're talking about uh, um, some guys who who will be happy, overjoyed perhaps, and some who will say, I don't play a 3-4 defense. Here's my, so here's the one player that I will throw out that's, that's the wild card in this, but I could see him being a nightmare. He's already, when... Healthy, a nightmare, but more so. Daniel Hunter. Absolutely. Standing think, J- up, think JJ Watt Houston Prime. Sta- yeah. Standing up, standing up. And don't forget. So so when the first time that the Vikings realized that they had something special there, 
was they were preparing for a game. I think it was in Daniil's rookie season at Winter Park. They're preparing for a game, and Daniil Hunter was the scout team DeMarcus Ware, I believe. I think it was. And and because because that position that that Daniil was imitating stood up, he did, and he looked great. And Zim, who back then had his defensive fastball, said to the coaching staff, why don't we have him do that more? And they're, they're like, well, because, uh, you know, and he's like, no, just lo- just a- allow him to basically line up like he's comfortable. So imagine him potentially, guys, in a 3-4, healthy. Um, sometimes, sometimes he stands up, perhaps at different times you move him. I'm just saying I would love to see that. I think yeah. it would be, I think it could be, an absolute he could be a beast and and trying to game plan for that at least for a year or so would be really difficult yeah i mean so my mind goes two places number one i think boy yeah daniel hunter could i mean he already thrives i think he would thrive in any defense but he might thrive even more in this type of a defense and um but then my but then my mind i guess i guess i think also about the like the safeties. The Vikings have three safeties, and so some of these exotic looks that you know Mike Pettin defenses have used in the past, and we don't know a lot about Aubrey Pleasant and Anthony Weaver specifically, but like Don Martindale used a lot of what they call multiple fronts and Football. looks in Baltimore. <laughs> Could you get creative? Like Cam, Cam Bynum was basically relegated to, well, he's the third safety, and Xavier Woods technically isn't under contract, so he might just be gone anyways, so it might just be that you know, maybe Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum are the safeties in 2022. But I hate the fact that the Vikings basically said, well, Cam Bynum looked pretty good uh, filling in, but now there's nowhere to play him. So I guess he just doesn't play anymore. Can you get a little bit more creative, you know, stemming from a 3-4 and then coming up with some different looks that maybe maybe are more dime looks where you include an extra defensive back? And that's right. I'm talking dime Football. defenses here. Big nickel, too. Don't forget. There's big, big nickel. nickel. There's big, big nickel, nickel and big dime. Big where you, nickel. Exactly. Aaron Curtis put, played in it. No, I mean there are there is. I mean you want you want to break her down. Foot defensive fronts and football and 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 packages on defense. Oh my god. Yes. Um. So, you know, there's a lot of like creative things you could do if you're open to a three four base and then the trickle down effect into your sub packages right oh, into your nickel dimes. Could you get an extra defensive back involved in some of those right? But the other place I go is, I feel like your linebacker situation is kind of screwed right now. I, like you don't have a lot of depth at linebacker. Eric Kendricks, I don't know that he would be a great three-four linebacker. He's also thirty years old now. Anthony Barr would have been fascinating to watch in a three-four defense, but he is not under contract for next year. They have a lot of uh, voided dead money tied up in Anthony Barr for next year, like nine or ten million. He's also turning 30 years old. So I, I would have loved to have seen this two or three years ago or further back with Anthony Barr in his prime. That would have been fun. But that ship has kind of sailed, and he's no longer on the roster yeah, he's now that this back. season is over. Agreed. So I, I worry that, and maybe this is all part of Mission 2023, if they switch to a 3-4 defense, it means probably retooling most of that defense. And saying goodbye to either Michael Pierce or Dalvin Tomlinson, right? Um, so Pierce I don't know, man. I, that I, middle man, big fat man anchoring the middle, just a scout run football. I mean, Grady Jackson, mm-hmm. just running right into him. 
some more background on these guys here. So Mike Pettin, uh, we already talked about him at length. Rex Ryan's school of mixing up looks, a lot of exotic looks that all sort of stem from a 3-4 base defense. Anthony Weaver has been the Ravens defensive line coach. He was the Houston Texans defensive coordinator in 2020 when they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Some of that was like J.J. Watt getting old and hurt and the chemistry on that team just being like they were literally trying to get Bill O'Brien fired. That team was in 2020. Uh, But he was J.J. Watt's defensive line coach for five years before that. He did run a 3-4 base defense when he was the coordinator in Houston. Aubrey Pleasant, Lions defensive backs coach now. He was the Rams uh, cornerbacks coach for four years. He would be a first-time defensive coordinator. He's the only first-time defensive coordinator on this list. The Lions ran a 3-4 base defense last year, and the Rams also have run a 3-4 base defense, and then Don Wink, Martindale. So what direction do you think? Like, Do you think Kevin O'Connell is likely to go old, grizzled, experienced veteran like a Martindale or a Petten? Or do you think he'll go younger, newer, Hey, let's get a bunch of you know dudes in their thirties and forties in here to collaborate and build this thing for the next three to five years. I'm intrigued by that angle. Like, like at this point in time, especially if you basically say, "Hey, we're going to be as competitive as we could possibly be in 22, but 23 is when we're really going to start to uh, run more." That being said, my sense is with a guy who is 36 as the coach, with a guy who is 40 as the GM and probably a lot of younger guys overall on the coaching staff. My sense has been that I think they're going to go with more of a veteran DC who's probably, who has probably been a, a head coach as well. It's not going to excite folks, but like if, if I were to take the, the list and to your point, Phil, we don't know a ton about these guys, but I was to try and do a handicapping of the candidates. I think I'd put Patton first. I'm not saying I personally think that's great, but he's got the resume that would speak to bringing experience to a position that's important. Um, that's not the strength necessarily of the coach for sure, because Kevin O'Connell's an offensive guy. And there would be some ability to fall back on Petten's experience as a coach as well. So that's why I think I'd put him as the favorite. That being said, Pleasant, Aubrey Pleasant intrigues me. He's young. It sounds like he's very smart. He's done a good, good job. He, he actually, um, so the Rams, a Rams executive uh, left the Rams to take the Lions GM job last year. And he brought like three or four people with him. And Pleasant was one of the guys that he handpicked, I think, to bring. Mm-hmm. So there was no problem for Pleasant with the Rams. Um, but yeah, the, the name Mike Patton's not going to do a lot for people, but I'm not going to be shocked if it's a guy like that to get the job. See, how do you guys feel that Packer fans would love if Mike Pettin was the Vikings defensive coordinator. They they ran Dom Capers out of town, and then they ran Mike And we Pettin got Dom Capers, too. Tom senior Capers, yeah. senior he consultant. Still a senior consultant? No, no, he was, was gone year. last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think weird. I think what's interesting about Pleasant is, so he was the DB's coach, but also the passing game coordinator. And I think sometimes we get super obsessed when we're looking at, like, potential head coaches and, and, and whatnot, where we say, well, he's a defensive guy. He knows nothing about offense where I think there's like this evolution that's more happening on both sides of the football where you have a guy like Pleasant who, yeah, I mean, he's known for working with defensive backs. I saw him, there was a clip from him yesterday, just absolutely reaming into a cornerback uh, uh, last year for the Lions, but he's also the passing game coordinator. And I I think just because someone has a defensive background doesn't mean they can't 
implement offensive game plans because they know the other side of the football. And I, I feel like Pleasant's kind of evolution into that really is kind of this new mold and probably what Kevin O'Connell and the new Vikings kind of ownership wants to have. They want they want more collaborative people. What's more collaborative than having a guy who knows offense and defense on both sides of the ball? So I was going to ask about that because there's, there's a couple of these guys where it's like their main job is secondary coach in this case for Aubrey Pleasant or cornerbacks coach. And I guess I took that to mean that he was the defensive pass game coordinator. Could be. Is he the offensive pass game? I've literally have no idea. No, I, I, think, the, I think you're you're right, Phil. He's I, the defensive he, pass yes. game coordinator. Yes, he he like works. They this league now gives out titles like candy. So like I think it used to be, hey, you you coach defensive backs, and therefore we're going to try and stop the opponent's passing game. And I think now they're, they're like we're going to give you more titles. So yes, I think that that when we see that attached to a guy. It means that he is actually defensive backs coach, and he works on trying to stop the pass of the opposing team. Yeah. So on Mike Patton, real quick here, there's a, there's a, a very interesting distinction here that I think is important. Well, I think two of them. Number one, anything that happened with the Jets, you can't give him full credit for because Rex Ryan was the head coach, and Rex Ryan's one of the greatest defensive coaches in my lifetime of football. Loved those Ravens looks. defenses. Yeah. Those looks are Rex Ryan. So he only gets You're right. Some credit. He was a, he was a Rex Ryan protege, but he, yep. you can't give him all that credit. Uh, and his and his his team's performance on defense has never lived up to what it was like the first two or three years in New York with the Jets. As far as score, they had the number one scoring defense in two thousand nine, uh, the number three yardage defense in two thousand ten. His defenses, the other distinction, are much better against the pass than against the run. And that's what a lot of Packer fans would tell you, too, that like those Green Bay teams would get. And look, Dalvin Cook gashed the Packers between 2018 and 20 a few times, too. You know, the Packers' rush defenses were uh, outside the top 20 in both 2018 and 19. But Mike Pettin's past defenses in terms of yardage, for the 10 or 11 years he's been a coordinator, has been in the top 12 all but two years. And the only two exceptions were they were 14th in 2019 and 22nd in Cleveland in 2015. So if you want a good pass defense, Mike Patton's probably your guy, but there's a lot of gaping holes in the run game defensively with a lot of these Mike Patton defenses. Mike Patton's also somewhat, if, if you're O'Connell and, um, and Quasi, he's somewhat safe because he did uh he did a podium session early in his time as the Packers DC where he basically said, I never want to be a head coach again. I didn't enjoy it. It was a disaster. It was Cleveland. So it's not all his fault, but he, he essentially said, I want to coordinate defenses back then. So like, and I'm, I'm not saying this is not why I would personally hire him. I'm just trying to say that if, if you're trying to keep the peace and you don't want a guy who says, I was a coach once and I'm going to be a coach again. Screw you, Kevin O'Connell. He's safe. Um, I'm with Dex, though. The Pleasant, if, depending on your direction at this point in time, I wouldn't be against that one. Um, I just, I, at some point in time, my guess is that they're going to say, we need to have some veteran coaching stability here. And like Mike Pettin fits the bill. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out even how many starters the Vikings have on the uh, contract next year. It's like Barr's not under contract. Patrick Peterson's not under contract. Xavier Woods but Phil, you're, is under contract. You just hit on, I think, the most important discussion, which is, which is as fans and in our 
business, we need to get through our heads that this team personnel wise and more importantly, scheme wise is going to change a ton of things. So, so like when, when we're talking about, you know, what guys might get cut or traded, it's also going to come down to what's your plan. Cause there might be some guys who say, I want out now. Like I, I don't want to play. I'm, I'm a four three guy, right? Like I, don't I could want... see, Ke- I could see Kendrick saying that. Yeah, yeah. So love now... the Vikings. Thank you so much. I'll see you at the Ring of Honor ceremony, guys. I'm thirty. Yes. I'm. I just. I want to go play some four three defense and finish up the last three years of my career. Right. Exactly right. And so now it's it's not this whole. Oh my God, they cut Kendricks or traded him. I can't believe it. It's it, he actually didn't fit. And so. Like, if you go through defensively, there is no question going to be some guys who, if you switch your system and schematics dramatically, are going to say, that doesn't fit what makes me successful. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Breland, not under contract because they cut him. Uh, Patrick Peterson, I mean, they're literally looking for, like, Harrison Smith's under contract. That could change, too. He's 32 years old, and he's one of the biggest cap hits right now for the Vikings. And um, Cam Dantzler is under contract, just going through the secondary and here. You have Mackenzie Alexander, Mackenzie Alexander is under for one No, I thought year. he said a one-year, I thought he came back on a one-year deal. So in that case, then you literally have one, well, you have one starting cornerback and one starting safety in Harrison Smith. Cam Bynum could also be a starting safety. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of a blank canvas, but you have, you're $12 million over the cap here too. These are all the things when we talk about Kirk and all this stuff, it's like if they bring a new scheme in, and they've got cap issues. All of these are reasons why they would take a step back purposefully in 2022. So I think it's our duty on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily to just paint the possibility. They might they might take 2022 as a reset. And the fact that they're looking at three, four defensive coordinators screams even more loudly that changes are on the way here at some point in the next two months. By the way, the uh, Giants are hiring Wink Martindale to be their defensive coordinator. That literally okay, just so came down him. as we're recording for Adam Schefter. Oh, man, he would have been fun. Wink. Crusty, crusty, Wink Martindale. Game show host, Wink Martindale. The Wink formation. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Wink Martindale. He should have, like, a little game show microphone instead mm-hmm. of the yeah. headset. Just walking the, the, around. Oh, the, <laughs> the old school, like, Gene Shallon. Who? Rayburn. The guys who used to host Match Game, I believe, right? Gene Shallow. Probably before, before Dex and I. Yeah, I only know Gene Shallow. Oh, oh, Bo- you got to start is. a Bob Barker yeah, and move Barker. forward. It most definitely yeah. is. It most definitely is. The 70s, you look hard sharks. Oh, man, there's some great old. Spade, get your pets spayed, spayed or, neutered. or neutered. He said that after every episode. After every episode. <laughs> My dementia <laughs> grandfather loved him some Bob Barker. And that was in the 80s. Like, that's a, that's a, he, he was a man ahead of his time. Bob Barker was. Oh, in the calling for uh, animals yes. to be spayed or neutered. Yes, uh, in his in his caring about pets. Bunch of but, horny cats running around in the sixties and seventies. Fix it. Didn't worry about it. But anyway, they are they are now going to be in a position once O'Connell and, and the staff is all in place, where you are going to make decisions probably roster wise based solely on what your intentions are. Yeah, not based on. What the roster is in, in some cases, right. yeah, I think they're because yeah. Zim like to do it. Yep. Uh, all right. Every Tuesday, we also go through who gets it, who doesn't here on the show. Presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, they're all about risk management and helping you maximize the success of your likely already awesome business. So uh, check them out at federatedinsurance.com. 
and find out all the different tools and resources that uh, that they can implement and apply to your business. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. As I'm talking about Federated here, our guy Wade Phillips, legendary defensive coordinator, son of bum, is still tweeting at people like in the NFL media sphere. He's tweeting. But is he responding to you? I, I I have not DM'd him yet. Oh, I'll, I'll send I'll send him a DM send today. That today, man. We gotta I'll get him, him on. I'll send him a DM today. Say so why have you blocked? Hey, we're, I'll say hey, listen. Dead. No, we're not gonna bring that up because then he'll probably refuse to come on the show. Yeah, I don't I, I don't oh, want him to know he's that he's coming. He's gonna and think then once it's he's on. I'm gonna ask him why why did you block me? I'm sure what? he remembers exactly why yeah. he blocked Jade's old guy. I think it was some Dex mass blocking thing twelve years ago. No, I think it's a mass a mass blocking. Well, this is what happened with Samantha Ponder back in the day. I I never once ever tweeted at her or took shots blocked. at her or anything, but I would frequently tweet about Christian Ponder, huh. and I'm pretty sure she had a feed of just Christian Ponder, like a search feed, and she just went on a blocking rampage. Anyone that was saying anything negative about her quarterback husband. Oh, are right, you guys got some uh, who gets it, who yeah. doesn't, who who doesn't get it? Samantha Ponder. <laughs> Stop searching your family's name on Twitter. In 12 years, I think that you, you guys should both make up and play nice. <laughs> 12 years. I'll start with the who gets it. I'll start with the who gets it. How about that? I will go with the Minnesota Wilds organization. Not only are they one of the best teams in the NHL right now, but the Athletic has been slowly dropping their prospect pool rankings. They've been teasing one each day. We got to the top 10 last week, and the Wilds still weren't on the list, meaning they'd be in the top 10. We got through yesterday, and the fourth one was uh, released, and the Wilds have been named. So today, at number three, the Minnesota Wild have the third best prospect pool in the entire NHL. So to go along with their amazing record, their prospect pool is still very, very heavy. They rank Matt Boldy number one, Marco Rossi number two, Jesper Wallstedt, the goaltender they drafted in the most previous draft, who was the number one goalie available in the draft the Wild uh, were able to snag. I believe it's like the 20th pick. In last year's draft, not only are they a good team on the ice, but they have a prospect pool that's ready. And, and this is the most fun part about this because everyone's excited that the prospect pool is built up. But now that it's built up, can you use some of these assets to potentially make you better at the trade deadline or down the road? And I'm curious how yes. that plays out. So how that's that was my question. I mean, how I feel like with the Twins for all these years. And by the way, I saw I saw a nugget that like <clears throat> I can't remember which publication came out with it but the twins have like a, the 23rd farm system now mm-hmm. so they're bad and they have a bad farm system and they haven't developed any pitching what would you say you do here but whenever the twins had a good team and a good farm system they were always super stingy about trading their number three prospect or we can't trade aaron hicks he's gonna be our future center fielder it's like no he's probably not you should trade him so how likely do you guys think the wild are gonna in the next let's say two years actually trade from their pool of Draft picks and our young players to build a win now team even stronger. Judley, I don't think they're going to touch the top three to five guys. Um, I, I think after that, they, they will. Here's the thing with with our friend Billy Garen. Billy Garen's going. I think he will make a trade, but he will not lose a trade badly. He will not give you two prospects. Like he's going to, um, he's not going to go so big game hunting that he does something that he perceives to be dumb that being said i do think if the right opportunity presents itself unlike the twins he will he will pull the trigger the o- the only thing that's a little bit dicey here that gets it to be a 
a conversation that people don't don't have, and it involves right now both the Wild and the Wolves as Thursday's NBA trade deadline approaches is the chemistry. So, like, you got to make damn sure that if you're going to plop a player in that room, that that person fits too. You can't you can't just be like, I mean, beware of the Hansel, which is, oh, we got Martin Hansel, it's going to be great. This is a great trade. Guy's just a dead ass. That's you know that's bad. That doesn't work. That submarines things. So, um, do I think that Bill Guerin would trade prospects to improve his team right now? Absolutely. Do I think that he, he would make a trade that would cause people to scratch their heads? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. I, I have kind of a similar line here, but for the other winter team in town, I've seen a couple stories here. I'm trying to find out who is reporting this. It looks like uh, Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. This came down like last night that the Timberwolves are interested in trading for veteran Spurs forward and former Timberwolf. Thaddeus Young. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I think the Timberwolves front office here gets it. Because this is exactly the type of trade that they should be looking to make. A little, like, dip your toes in the trade water. Don't trade Jaden McDaniels. Don't go trading a bunch of... Don't Certainly don't trade Pat Beverly. Yeah, just uh, dip your toes in. So Thaddeus Young, he's 33 years old now. He used to be a phenomenal player with Philadelphia, and even with the Timberwolves for a couple years. But he's a 33-year-old role player. Uh, he's played in 26 games. He has one star. So he's really hasn't been a starter for like the last three seasons. And he's going to bring a nice blend of just all around high basketball IQ. He can score a little bit. He can grab some rebounds. Uh, he's a passing big and he can just bring some veteran presence. Just a little, there's a little sprinkling of like, you know, seasoning trade, a little 12, 15 minutes a game. Don't upset anything that's happening right now. All right. So I, I like that the, the trade – I guess what I'm saying is I like that the trade discussion and fodder has gone from make a big splash for Ben Simmons yeah. to let's, uh, let's go get a little, little little garlic over here, a little, little Thaddeus Young, and yeah, you can – A little meat tender. Yeah, sprinkle 12 minutes in. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, who gets it, who doesn't? All right, I'm, gonna, I'm going to continue on the positive path of – who gets it? And I'm going to tell you right now, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. So the, the season technically for the National Football League is not over, but the NFL offseason continues to get it because we have already in, in the last, I think, 48 hours now, like amidst all of the coaching hires and speculation and potential trades that might come up, we have now seen uh, Tom Brady – on his on his serious show, let's go, said, basically, open the door for, well, I'm retired now, but in five months, I mean, you never know. I mean, I, I might get bored. I mean, you never say never, right, Jim Gray? You never say never. And so the, there's just a, the door left ajar for TB12 to play in 2022, which, by the way, I'm not sure I agree with, but I love I love the speculation there. And then... And then yesterday, I believe, story surfaced that Kyler Murray, the Cardinals' up-and-coming young, I think he's fairly dynamic quarterback, has scrubbed all of the Cardinals' uh, stuff off his Instagram page. So weird. Social media, Kyler said the Cardinals are out, and nobody knows why exactly. I, I don't even care why. I love the fire that is that especially in football and basketball, 
the offseason. So it kind of feels like Tom Brady doesn't really want to retire. He doesn't. You can tell. It's Farvinian. But it's like it, I'm sure his wife continues to say, okay, like, you're going to be healthy for like five more years. So, I mean, when, when it, you just, you're just going to play until you're 50, like what, how many Super Bowl rings do you need? Your kids yeah. are getting a little older. She wants them to retire. It's, t- it's time to be a dad here and do some other things. And let's not, let's not stick around one year too long. The Judd Zolgad plan and take a, a hit to the head or break yeah. your leg in half or something. Yeah. So I see it from her perspective, but he doesn't, I don't think he wants to retire. I no. think he's kind of being forced into this thing. You know, he's never, so, so I feel like she's being used as the scapegoat here because he, he, she for a while now has basically said, are you done? Are you done? And he's always like, no, baby, I'm going back. I'm going back. I, I think this, I think this is a front to try to get away from the Bucks. I think that this is, he, he won a Super Bowl. Things didn't go great as great. They went good. I'm just saying this is almost like the like Favre's play with the Jets, which was, I'll bide my time. That's cool. But then I'm going to get you. I wonder if Brady has another destination picked out. Go go home to California. I, I don't know. I just, but Giselle's this. He's a Giselle's, Midwest guy at heart. And Giselle's the scapegoat here. Like, I think she's being used as she's the bad guy. When the reality is this is a way to sever ties with Tampa Bay that's fairly that that is it's not seamless, but it's fairly effective, I think. You know, we have Skyways. Reckless speculation. Okay. You know, it's cold, but you don't have to I mean, right. you don't you know you can get a you can fly your helicopter in on top of the target center like you know Glenn Taylor does for Mankato. Does he ever do that? There is a helicopter pad on top of there is? Target Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think I don't know rides. if anyone ever uses it. I think Glenn Taylor gets a ride. I don't trust the from roof of that place. Don't be landing no <laughs> helicopter on top of there when I'm in that building. But he can pretty much skyway his way over to All right, the what US say Bank you? Stadium. What say you? Tom, we, we find out that TB12 has made overtures to Quasi. What say you about that? <laughs> oh, what? do you even have to ask? Of course I'm in. Absolutely. I'm One in. year. Twenty-five I, okay. mil. Risk, yeah. Trade Kirk, save the thirty-five. Tom Brady comes in on the you know, reasonable twenty-five million. To, you know, whatever. You you save ten million dollars in cap. You restructure a couple guys. Hey, Adam, we got to tap that contract, but you get to play with Tom Brady. It'll be great. Okay, yes. Here, take it all back. I'll pay you to play for the Vikings. Yeah, I'm running it back if it's Tom Brady. But I got to find. I got to find a center. I don't know if Tom and Garrett. Although Tom, here's where oh, people. Yeah. Not to turn this into a whole Kirk thing, but like Tom Brady makes offensive linemen better by being a great leader, a great reader pre-snap. He's constantly like texting back and forth with offensive linemen during the week about schemes and different things. So he can move in the pocket too. Garrett Bradbury would be better with Tom Brady than he is with Kirk Cousins. Are you blaming Garrett Bradbury on Kirk Cousins? A little bit. Typical. Yeah. Did you guys hear Score North today? <laughs> They're talking about Tom Brady playing it's for the amazing. Vikings and they want to trade Kirk. This is why I don't like those guys. But thanks for listening every day. Hate listening every day. Reckless speculation. All right. Anybody else got got one here before we uh, transition? Who gets it? Who doesn't? You guys good? Oh, I'm good. good. You good? good? Okay. We'll park it. Okay. So, all right. Let's get to uh, – I'll fire this here, Dex. Okay. <clears throat> we have uh, an interesting clip here from our friends Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Staying. He'll be in Minnesota as their quarterback this season. 
I don't think that they move on from Kirk Cousins simply because there's money there. They got a decent offense, and he is a serviceable quarterback. It's hard to replace a guy who's had some mild success in Minnesota with a new head coach. Yeah, I mean, a lot depends upon what Aaron Rodgers leaves or goes. But if he leaves, I mean, look, I see Kirk staying, and they'll be the favorite in that division. I mean, they're still loaded with talent. Yeah, and I think Cousins over the last couple of years has made real strides to me. I thought like four or five years ago he was an empty stat quarterback. You know, you need eight yards for the first down, he'll get you six, like kind of a stat patter mm-hmm. guy. But I think he's progressed from there. I think he's pretty good. Again, not to turn this into a whole Kirk Cousins thing. That was uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Max is wrong because Kirk was, I believe, 30th or 33rd in the NFL in third down success rate on passes, meaning success rate meaning you your seven did yards. you convert you the first six. down? He frequently will get you seven when you need ten. Uh, but that's uh, that's what's that's sort of a national perspective on the Vikings' current quarterback situation. That, and maybe they will take into account if Rodgers goes to Denver in two weeks or something. You know, maybe that will factor into their decision making. But what I want to know from you guys is now that we're staring at a new era of Vikings football here, you've got a new general manager, new coach, Vikings are interviewing defensive coordinator candidates. It's a very much a blank canvas as you look down the road. They could retool the roster, they could run it back. Let's go around the room here. What are the things you are most excited for in this new era of Vikings football? My first one is this I am excited beyond belief uh, to circle back on the discussion that we had before to see what they do in the coming months to see what what is this team like we have i keep going back to this but it's true we have no idea what Quazy and o'connell uh are going to do we don't know what their plan is like we think we've got general ideas but that's probably at best it general ideas What's the roster construction going to, to be? Are they going to try to get young? Are they going to what uh, what current veterans off this team who Zimmer might have loved? Do they like but not love? So this is going to be one of the most interesting interesting springs and summers uh, from this team's perspective in a long, long time because you certainly have some pieces that are good. Um, you have a team that I think can be, I think it can be, come back and be successful fairly quickly. I have, I have doubts, unlike some fans, about 2022. But my first one is just an overall general excitement to see how, how this shakes out. And there are going to be more changes made, despite the fact that some folks are going to balk at that. But to me, that's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I think, and, and there is, I, I can definitely sense from a certain chunk of the fan base this this fear of like ah you know changes might mean you go into a a 10 year tailspin like the jets or the lions and i just look at the history of this franchise and if you just want to confine it to the the history of the wilfs ownership of this franchise too even when they've had to take a big step back and fire Brad Childress or fire you know they fired Mike Tice all right then they took they went 6 and 10 but they also started that season like 4 and 2 and they were they were deemed as being competitive pretty deep into the season until like maybe late November, early December. And so even though they finished six and 10, it was like they were four and two going into a Patriots game on Halloween. And yeah. it was, it was a winning football team for a while. And then they progressively go, you know, playoff contention, make the playoffs and it's a championship game. Okay. And I got to fire Childress. It was like a year and a half step back and boom, they're back in the playoffs in 2012, 10 and six, even with a garbage quarterback, they whiffed on the quarterback. And they still went to the playoffs at 10 and 6. And so 
I'm with you on this. I think the, the I look at the blank canvas on the road ahead, and I don't think, oh my God, you got to tread lightly, be careful. I think this ownership group has always found a way to keep things moving forward and at least be competitive. Sometimes clinging to competitive over wanting to take an actual step toward Super Bowl contention. But I don't have any real fear of like the Vikings sliding into an eight-year tailspin or anything like that. It's They're going like, to become the Lions, not, Phil. That's not part of their 60-year history. They're going to be the Lions. It's 60 years. 60 They're going to be the Browns. Yeah. No. My thing is that is that they're finally leaning into offense. Uh, no matter who the quarterback is, this team looks like they're finally trending towards being a more modern and up-to-date football team. It was a great run that Mike Zimmer was able to change the defensive culture and make this a defensive stalwart team for four or five years. He did a very good job at turning that around. But while that was being turned around, the game was changing to being more of an offensive-driven league. Um, I believe, I, f- I forget who it was. I saw the chart. There's like a little flow chart of all the teams that have made the Super Bowl the last 20 years and where they rank on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. And if you look at it, like outside of the 2015 Broncos, who like had the 25th offense and one of the best defenses of all time, every damn team that has made the Super Bowl has been a top 10 offense. Like 19 of the last 20 Super Bowls have featured teams in the top 10 offense, okay? The Vikings are finally leaning into that with Kevin O'Connell. And it might be the wrong choice to, to keep with Kirk. Who knows? But at least they're going to surround Kirk with everything possible for the best play calling side and weapon side. They have all that figured out. They're leaning in on the offensive side of the football. I think that is an intriguing part that Vikings fans should be obsessed with. Yeah, You know what's amazing? I think the Vikings wound up like 14th in points per game this year. Like, this should have been... I get the offensive line isn't perfect, but the scheme felt dusty... Mike Zimmer wanting to put his thumb on the scale from like an early 2000s, mid-90s perspective was dusty. You know, we've talked a ton about Kirk. I mean, this offense led the NFL in three and outs. Think about the trickle-down effect that it has. You know, it's the buzzkill nature of a three and out. And I'm not just blaming one guy. Like, you know, I've said my piece about Kirk. I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. Think about how leading the NFL in three and outs also affects your defense. You know, people want to simplify it down to the defense, the defense. Well, when the offense leads the NFL in three and outs, and mind you, the offense was good in the first quarter statistically, so a lot of those three and outs happened second, third, fourth quarter. Your defense is getting out there much more gassed than normal, so there's such a, you know, it's cliche, but sometimes the best defense is a high-powered, awesome offense that takes a 21-point lead and leans on the other team with their pass rush. Let's see more of that going forward with the Vikings. I don't think there's ever been a time where individual statistics on paper told such a different story as opposed to what the eye test saw. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you look at the statue, like, look at Kirk Shear, look at Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's unbelievable. And it was impressive. But the but there is, if you watch the games, you didn't come away feeling nearly the same way that you do if, if you just look at the stats. Yeah. All right. I'm speaking of the offense here. I'm going to give you this one thing I'm really excited for. So Cooper Cup has emerged into one of the best wide receivers of the last 15 years statistically, right? He's just, he's always wide open, it feels like. So Cooper Cup, I'm going to go a little bit uh, stat geeky on you here. And I bring up Cooper Cup because obviously Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator. He also helped scheme according to multiple reports. He was very involved in coordinating the pass game behind the scenes and whatnot, getting guys open. So Cooper Cup ran 67% of his routes from the slot. Justin Jefferson 
was the, the, the worry on him out of the draft was, is he just a slot guy? Like at LSU, he was a slot guy. Can he play outside? And it's almost like the Vikings and Jefferson have gone the other way around. Like he played 70% of his snaps out wide. And he can do both because he's one of the five best receivers in the NFL. But here's the amazing stat. Cooper Cup had 600 more yards after the catch than Justin Jefferson did this year. Cooper Cup had 1,032 yards after the catch in 2021. Now, I believe that includes a couple postseason games as well in here. So if you want to back it up to like even 700, I don't even know. I don't know what his yak was. I could just do the digging here. But he had several hundred yards more after the catch than Justin Jefferson did this season. I want some of that. Like, I want... What are they doing schematically? What are they doing with their route concepts to get him so wide open? And then not not only wide open, but like when he catches the ball, he's getting an extra you know two, three, four yards here and there per catch. Let's take a great wide receiver and put him in a modern scheme and see what happens with Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and Cup is Cup is a genius too. Like he is a smart guy. But yes, if you put if you put Jefferson. Thielen Osborne in positions to succeed consistently, I, I think the potential is absolutely huge there. And by the way, even if you take out the playoff games, he's still like close to 900 yards after the catch for the yeah. season. So it's like it's, I call it yak, Phil. Yak. I call it yak. Let's call yak. it yak. Yak. Love it. Bonkers. All right. What else are you guys excited for? New All era right. of Vikings football. All right. I've got I've got the simplest one, but I honestly think it might be the thing that this this fan base. This long-suffering fan base should be the most excited for, and it's this. You have an opportunity with an entirely new staff, new GM, new offensive-minded coach. I am most excited to see if they can finally solve the issue that hasn't been solved here in a long, long time. Can you find the quarterback? And I don't mean go sign a guy off, you know, oh, man, he... He, his contract expired, and so we're going to sign him. I don't mean a year of, of TB12. Brett Favre, oh, my God, we can get Brett Favre, which, by the way, was great fun. I wouldn't take that back for a second. But I am saying, can you go out? And for, for the first time since Denny drafted Culpepper in 1999 and arguably franchise quarterback-wise, for the first time since this organization's initial season in 1961, when they drafted Tarkington, not even in the first round, can you find the quarterback who you can build around, who who is your Joe Burrow type? Um, it seems like there's like this fear of, well, if Kirk leaves, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it might get worse. <laughs> you hired these people because of that. Like, like that's why. you If you are saying, we can't get rid of Kirk because I don't trust it still, that basically means you should, as I told Dex on the comments portion of our show yesterday. That means that you should go in um, to to Kevin O'Connell right now and Quasi Phil and say you're fired. Like if you're like, but what if you can't find the? If you don't think that they can do it, they shouldn't have gotten these jobs. So like the whole purpose is you hired them to become the first in forever to do exactly that. Find the quarterback. I am extremely excited because that it has been a problem here forever and keep in mind the green bay packers have basically had the same two quarterbacks for 30 years during which time you've had a carousel of qbs can that finally end so because i think there's two ways that people are looking at the front office and the coaching change there's 
there's one group that says kind of what you're saying, which is, okay, yeah, new minds, fresh thinking, modern thinking, and they're going to have a grace period here to build this thing the way that they want. And it might mean saying goodbye to some veteran players, trading Kirk Cousins, and drafting a quarterback, which is kind of risky, but like, you know, your team hasn't been above 500 in 700 plus days. So, like, how risky is it really? You're not winning right now. But you know, there's a certain chunk of the fans that understand, yeah, there might be some big changes here, and we're just going to be patient for a couple of years. But I think there's a very large percentage of the fan base that thinks that Quasi and KOC are being brought in to do what Rick and Mike couldn't, which is take this current framework and collection and make it be better than it has been. That this should have been a 10, 11, 12 win team if the, if the drafting was better, if the front office focused more on offensive line, and if the offensive scheme was more modern and the coach was more likable, right? And I, th- I think they're going to choose to do it their way. But I just want, I wonder where ownership stands. Does ownership, ownership talks about wanting to win a Super Bowl and win championships. Are they willing to allow a grace period to maybe take a step back in order to take two steps forward? That's the big wild card here. What does Ziggy think? You know, what does Mark really think? But Quazy is going to, being a smart man, he's going to go in and basically illustrate for them why why you can't just continue to go to the well. Guys are aging. I, I got a note, so on on the show Monday, I called the Vikings an old team because they've got certain key players basically aging out. And I got a note from a guy that said, what are you talking about? This is a young team. I quit listening when you said that because that's not right. It's a young team. Okay. Let's look at the roster. The young players. How much across the board did they contribute? You know, the entire third round of last year's draft was basically put in a closet and held hostage. So, so yes, if you can get the young guys to contribute, that's awesome. That's great. But the key thing is Quazy. I don't think Quazy's going to look at the older guys and be like, we got to keep them for three or four more years. So there's just going to be natural changes made based on people's ages. So it's actually, I'm, I'm on overthecap.com. So the Vikings actually had going in, projected starters going into 2021, the youngest offense in the NFL. Because you think about their offensive line, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, Derrissaw is like 21, 22. Everett Cleveland and O'Neal are on yeah. 25 and under. Uh, Bradbury is like 26. Ole Udo is like 23. So their offensive line has no one even close to 30. Justin Jefferson's like 23. And then Irv Smith was a projected starter, 25. Somewhere in there, so it's like like youngest offense in the NFL, uh, but a but an older than average defense, and getting even older, obviously going into next year. But to your point about youth on offense, Kirk is thirty four, and a lot of these other guys are a decade. Like most of his offensive teammates are like a decade younger than he is, except for Adam Thielen. So it doesn't really mesh as some of these guys like offensive linemen emerge into their primes the next couple of years. You're going to probably draft another offensive lineman, I would assume, in the first three rounds. Uh, it doesn't mesh up quite as well. I'll give you, speaking of offensive line, one of the things that I'm really, really excited and interested to see what happens is the offensive line itself. So uh, based on their backgrounds the last couple of years, both Quasi and KOC are very much used to operating with above average or elite offensive lines. The Browns in Cleveland, I mean, they put a ton of emphasis on, and the Vikings have put more emphasis on drafting offensive linemen, so it's not like they've been ignoring it as they have. They just, the development process hasn't been there, and it's still a bottom 10 unit. 
The Rams had the second-best pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. The Cleveland Browns had the 10th-best pass-blocking offensive line. Uh, When you look at run-blocking, the Browns were top five, and the Rams were 11th. So by all accounts, we're talking about top five or top 10 offensive lines in both Cleveland and with the Rams. So that's going to be, and it's not just who you draft. The Vikings have taken so many swings in the draft throughout different rounds. And Brian O'Neill is about the only one that you can say for sure has panned out in recent years. So there's been an issue with development. You know, is, is, is Mike Zimmer ignoring offensive linemen as well? Probably, right? Like he probably wasn't putting any, probably wasn't popping his head into offensive line meetings to, uh, to see. even know their names, much less go to their meetings. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, uh, keep an eye on that. And then we talked about this earlier in the show, but what, what are they going to do defensively scheme wise? They got four defensive coordinators that they've had conversations with. One of them, Wink Martindale is, is, is going to the giants. So take him off the board, but everyone they've talked to has a deep background in 3-4 base defenses. And the Vikings haven't run a 3-4 base defense since 1985, according to Judd's Google research. I was only 15 back then, so that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. You hadn't even been introduced to Chill Boys yet no. in 1985. Why did it take so long, Phil and Declan? Why did it take so long for, for me to find the love of my life when it comes to boxers and long johns? What's one word to describe how Chill Boys make you feel this time of year? Revolutionary. I'm collaborative. Revolutionary. Yeah. It's oh, collaborative. <laughs> oh, hold on. Mm-hmm, Let me hear mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. Let me hear more. Because sometimes you need the bamboo fabric for comfort, and sometimes you need the performance band for performing, however you want to define performing. Could be golfing. Could be doing a barrage of activities. But there's a collaboration between both the bamboo and the performance brand fabric that will change your complete outlook on underwear. Okay. Love me some Chill Boys. Chillboys.com. It's a Minnesota-based company, the most comfortable underwear you're ever going to put on in your life. Trust us and the uh, <laughs> hundreds of people from Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily that uh, that have taken okay. us up on this. Chillboys.com. Also, the 31st annual Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show is back at the convention center in two weekends from now. Friday, February 18th through Sunday, February 20th. Tickets are on sale for just $12.00. And compliments of TwinCitiesGolf.com. Each ticket purchase includes 10 free greens fee passes and three bonus passes if you purchase online. That's MinnesotaGolfShow.com, presented by Choice Bank, your select Minnesota Buick GMC dealers, Nelson Marine, Second Swing, and us. Score North. Judd and I are going to do, and Dex, you might yeah, I'll be wander there. over there, too. I'm, I need a driver Friday. as well he lives, for a putter. He lives downtown. Yeah, He's I'm got a, no thinking of Skyways, you know, I'm, like I'm, you I'm, me walk. and TV12 are going to take some. I, I take the Skyway. Just It's a three-block walk outside, so it's not bad. And then I hop in the Skyway, and I can walk all the way to the convention center. And you don't get lost? Maybe get lost, but I'll come out with a new putter and a new microphone. And it'll be Skyways. a whole thing. It'll be, I'm really looking forward to the Choice Bank Minnesota it's Golf Show. It's a little show. confusing. So, uh, yeah, come check us out. We're going to be doing a special edition of Mackie and Judd on Friday and Saturday afternoon around like 1, 1.30 from the Minnesota Golf Show. So check us out. The Choice Bank, Minnesota Golf Show. All right, any other final things you guys are excited for here going into a blank canvas offseason? I got one quick. Draft draft weekend. I am excited for Quazy not to trade down constantly so that, that he can brag about having 15 picks. Seriously. <laughs> I, I am excited for him to either make his picks and, hey, Make some trades. That's awesome. That that's fine. But I was so tired of I I just bailed from the third round, but I got four seventh rounders. <laughs> I honestly am excited for a draft not run by Rick Spielman. Yeah, 
I, it always kind of felt like I just was tired. Of Rick, Rick was protecting himself. I think I, I do think he believed that, hey, the draft is kind of a crapshoot and he's right. And so let's let's just get more picks so that we have more chances to hit on players. But, you know, three picks in the sixth and seventh round aren't the same as confidently moving up a spot that's for a chip player in the first round. But if you move, if you confidently move up and you yeah. whiff, it's a black mark on you, right? If you trade, but you can, you, you know, if you're not sure about Justin Fields, you can always just not pick him. You could trade back, accumulate an extra third round pick. Hey, hey, uh, what do you want us to do? Mac Jones, the right? draft is risky. Yeah, we can't take Mac Jones. Let's trade back. And then if you take Kellen Mond and he whiffs, so that's a third round quarterback. It's you know, yeah. third round quarterbacks don't pan out very often. Go crazy. Oh man. All right. Mackie and Judd, we'll see you guys for a Write That Down predictions and an accountability session on tomorrow's show. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.